Welcome to Destiny Spirit. Please join us for this message with Donna Astern. My title is Help Wanted, Your Ministry. <laughs> Help Wanted, Your Ministry. You know, we have been living in a time when we're in a time where the church is undergoing some change in what we understand to be secular, secular and what we understand to be sacred. You know, for so many years, there's been this split. This was holy, that was secular. This was okay, that was not. Some people did this, other people did that. And it seems that there was a whole compartmentalizing of your life happening. You know, it was Sunday morning was for all that spiritual stuff, right? But Tuesday, Friday, that's the real world. That's where you got to live. And so in recent years, you know, God has been calling our attention to that so that we could realize that you know what Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever and you and I need to be the same everywhere too we don't need to be one way in church and one way on the job right and so we're also having some of our understanding change we've all had if you've been in church any length of time you've got some religious stuff okay and so God has been putting his fingers and changing some of our understanding about what constitutes service to the Lord, what constitutes ministry, and who's supposed to be doing all that. You know, for many years, we thought that the ministry was done by those paid people up there on the platform, right? That's what we pay them for, right? <laughs> Pastor only works an hour a week, so what's his problem, right? That, that was the attitude, you know? And many times in some churches, that is the attitude. The deacon boards are business people, many times, who control the purse strings of the church and decide what's going to happen and what's not going to happen in some churches. I happen to think that's an ungodly setup. I believe the person who has the vision is the one who is responsible for how it's fulfilled. Right? And so we have had that, that some of us have had that understanding that the pastor is the one that does the ministry. You know, I was teaching a seminar recently, and when I uh, pointed out to some people that, you know, it's okay for you to baptize people, people were shocked. I said, it's okay for you to serve communion? They were shocked. I said, show me a verse in the Bible that says only an ordained minister can baptize or can serve communion. But it's a religious thing, isn't it? Some of y'all hadn't heard that before. It's a religious thing, but it's not a biblical thing. And so we've, we've all had a little bit of some of that, that split that has affected us understanding what it is that we could do as saints of God. And consequently, with that attitude of ministry is reserved for church people, we also had the, the uh, corresponding belief system that said money and business is just for business people. Mm-hmm. And then some people thought, you know, don't give the church any money. Don't let the pastor have any. Keep the pastor poor, you know, keep him humble, whatever. <laughs> you know, because, and then some people, you know, in some denominations, the idea of having money was considered ungodly. So certain people would take a vow of poverty, okay? But the whole thing was that, you know, some of the attitudes was money is business. So the church maybe gets a tip. You don't give any real money to church, you know? I mean, seriously, if you're still tipping a dollar, you need to go repent. (laughs) I'm serious. I mean, I tip down IHOP more than that. Come on, you know. You paid more than that for your coffee at Starbucks. So, okay. And then the idea that hard work is reserved for business. 
You want to make something of your business, then you get out there and you work hard, right? You put in the overtime, you get the schooling, you knock on doors, you whatever to make a business. But ministry, nah, we don't have to prepare. We don't have to work on anything. It doesn't cut, cut into my social life too much. Well, maybe I'll do something. And, and forget, you charge money for your seminars? Yes. Let me just tell you, I've had people who are students at Regent. And they come to me, nobody in this room, by the way. I've had people who are students at Regent say, um, I'm a student at Regent. Could I come to your seminar for free? <laughs> Do you know what I want to say? Does Regent let you go to school for free? <laughs> you pay good money for that class, don't you? <laughs> right. <laughs> say nothing of the books. <laughs> Says the voice of experience over here, yes. But sometimes they have the attitude that, Hard work is only for business, that you're really not supposed to really apply yourself, give yourself anything to ministry, you know. And then also, we have had in this, this strange thinking that business has no obligation to ministry. Business is business. We tip God on the weekend, but we've got no obligation to ministry. I've got news for you. Any minister who has got a a big vision needs a lot more than the tithes and offerings of the people in the church. It's not near enough money to get it done. Where's that money going to come from, folks? Hmm, I don't know. Where's it going to come from? It's going to come from your wallet. <laughs> this is where it's going to come from. It's going to come from the business arena. You know, that's where the money is to come from. And so, but how many times, you know, how many times have we seen that business people feel like, my money's my money. My business is my money. Don't you be asking me for no money. I tipped you a dollar. Leave my money alone. Do you know what? That's ungodly. If God has anointed you for business and anointed you to make money, you're meant, part of your ministry is the ministry of giving. It's underwriting some of the vision that the minister's got. See, God wants us to work together. Because most ministers I know have got humongous vision, but not near enough money. Right? Okay, now, we've also seen that in this arrangement that there are many bit pastors who have a board of businessmen to, to advise them on the financial affairs of the church. Have you all seen that? You're aware of that? They'll have business people. They'll call them in. Let me ask you this. How many business people have a spiritual advisor address them about their business? I don't know of any pastors that sit on business boards. Why not? Because it's a wacko in our thinking, isn't it? You know, I, I am thankful that we have been waking up to this, that if you've got a boardroom, and I've, I've had people say, I'm launching out in the business. I want you to cover me. I want to know if you hear from God. I want to know if you think I'm making a mistake here, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay, that's a partnership together, all right? And when and in ministry things, sometimes I've asked people who are wise in, in financial dealings, I said, I want to know something. Tell me some things about how in the world, you know, this works. Because I'm, you know, I need some expertise here. But there needs to be a give and take on both sides. All of us bringing who we are and what we do to, to work together. The pendulum has been swinging from one extreme all the way to the end. The one extreme, regarding these, the... Uh, function of business people and ministry people. On the one hand, we've had an extreme that said only the fivefold can minister. 
the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. They're the only ones that can go on those hospital visitations. They're the only ones that can pray for the sick. They're the only ones that can prophesy. And they're sure the only ones that do the evangelizing. They're the ones. They do, they do all the counseling. They do all that stuff, the fivefold. They're the only ones that hold Bible studies. And so sometimes we've had that understanding. And then we've had the idea of only saints work in, in business. Pastors shouldn't have a second, I mean, shouldn't have a business on the side. That isn't right. I'm telling you, that is a highly controversial point in the church. How many of you have ever heard people complain about that? Mm -hmm. I have. I had somebody just recently say something to me. Ah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, excuse me, Paul was a tent maker. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> there is, you know, it's not only saints working in business, and it's not only fivefold that do all the ministry. It's all, it can work both ways on both sides. There's a lot of people in that, that far extreme, because they had a heart for ministry, they decided to become ministers. That is, they went to Bible school, they went and you know, got hands laid on them, they got a certificate, and God didn't call them to that. God maybe called them to the business arena, but because they had such a heart for God and for His kingdom, they went and pursued it because they thought that's the only way that you can serve God. There are certain groups of Christians in our country today that if you are a man with a heart for God, everybody assumes you must be ordained. I'm like, what happened to, or what happened to godly business people? Right? <laughs> what happened with that? Let's just don't take them and make them. I mean, you know, maybe he needs to function as an elder, but let's don't call somebody an apostle, prophet, pastor if God hadn't called on that, right? Let's let God reveal a call. And then when you have people that God has not called to fivefold ministry, when you have them take a position of leadership in the church, do you know what that does to the church? It weakens it. It weakens the church because you've got somebody with good intention, but they don't have the anointing. They don't have the gifting. And so you've got somebody who's trying to do something, but they're not going to succeed. They're going to be frustrated because God didn't call them in that arena. And we, you know, and we want people to function where God has called them, right? But we've got people, I mean, I, I've, had, I've known some people over the years who for years lusted after the pulpit. They wanted that thing. And so then they got the opportunity to do it and found out they couldn't teach, they couldn't preach, God never showed up, dry as toast, what am I doing? <laughs> you know? And when they got a breakthrough, I'm sure everybody else was like, hallelujah. <laughs> you know, with this extreme also, not only was the church weakened because of this, but the advancement of the church was lessened because we regulate all of the work being done to the fivefold ministry. There's a whole lot of work that doesn't get done because there's only the, the numbers of people called to fivefold is much smaller than the numbers of people who are called to minister in the body. And so it's like, you know, I, I've just seen some pastors try to do it all. They do all the hospital visitation. They teach all the Bible studies. They do all the prayer for the sick. They do all the, all the, all the, all the. And you know what? They don't have a family. They don't have any health. And their church is full of babies because nobody has ever put a demand upon them. The other extreme of that pendulum is the other way. Business people decided their job was their ministry, that their business was their ministry. They decided, I started a business. I have an entrepreneurial spirit, so I must be an apostle. 
Or I'm a manager down at the bank. I must be a pastor. Y'all, that's, that's the other extreme, okay? The office of, uh, of apostle or pastor is, is called by God. It's not that, you know, somebody may be gifted as an entrepreneur, may be gifted in leadership, maybe they have a gift of administration. That doesn't make them an apostle or a pastor in the marketplace. And I think we've been hearing an awful lot of confusion about that in recent years. With this other extreme, everything is focused upon the business or upon the job. There's no time for people's needs. There's certainly no time for corporate worship. There's no time to aid ministry. I don't have time to help you do the ministry. I don't have time. I'll tell you what, I have heard over and over of ministers saying they are so tired of hearing from people they don't have time. You know, everybody is so consumed with making money, keeping the business afloat, working the job, that they have nothing left to give to the work of the ministry. That's out of order and out of balance because your, your role is not just as a business person. Your role is as a member of the body of Christ, and you have a function in the body of Christ. Isn't that right? Okay. The, um, when there's this extreme of... Uh, with the business people, then outreaches and ministry projects are understaffed and underfunded. There's no money because the business people are not giving the money. There's no staff because people are too busy doing other things, not making room. I mean, I know plenty of ministries that are crying for volunteers. We need help. We need help to get this stuff done. And we need funds to get it done. The advancement of the church was lessened as more saints abandon the church for strictly the business arena. You know, there are so many people that they used to have time for ministry, but now they have a business and they don't have time for ministry. It's like, this is out of balance. This is not what God's called us to. In Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, it's a very familiar scripture. It says, and he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry or the King James for the work of service. King James says for the work of the ministry to the building up of the body of Christ. Fivefold ministers that are mentioned here, the primary job is to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. So what's ministry? If ministry is not my business, if ministry is not my job, what's business? Jesus said in Mark 9, 37, 38, Matthew 9, 37, 38. He said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the harvest. There are plenty of people opening businesses and doing jobs, right? But Jesus said there's not a lack of farmers. There's not a lack of tradesmen. What there's a lack of is people doing ministry. And I'm seeing the same thing today. We got businesses popping up left and right, and God bless them. God bless every businessman, every business owner, whatever you provide things for the community you provide employment for people you provide money i mean god bless you our, our economy everything needs what you do and i bless you but you know what jesus has got a help wanted sign saying help wanted i need help in the ministry not just the job i need something done here jesus also taught us to store up for ourselves treasure in heaven that as we are doing work of ministry here on the earth, it is storing up our rewards in heaven. What is ministry? Ministry is a word that means service. It, very simple word, service. It means service to other people in acts of kindness. You know, it says that when Jesus healed Peter's mother, 
It said she got up and she ministered to them. What did she do? She didn't open her Bible and teach, right? She got up and she fixed them something to eat. She served them. She extended herself for them. Service can include discipleship. You know, somebody gets born again. Why should the pastor do all the discipling? No. You get them born again, you, you disciple them. You get them there. It's taking time out of your schedule to minister to somebody else's needs. Also, what about the service of prayer? It's not just for the pastor to do, but the service of prayer. All right? The service of prophetic ministry, as we've talked about here. And the service of hospitality, opening up your home, making, you know, making other people feel welcome, and the ministry of giving. There are people who are anointed by God with a heart to just give bucket loads of money. And most of the ones I know that had that, had that heart don't have a lot of money, but they come into large amounts and they pass it on, and they don't eat it themselves. They don't consume it themselves. They pass it on. It's interesting to watch. I've, I, you can identify people with a heart of giving because they're always doing it. They're always opening up for how they can give, give, and support. And not only just finances, but anything else. They're giving gifts all the time. They're giving encouragement all the time because they want to be a support and a blessing. Service or ministry is extending yourself for somebody else's benefit. It's for their good. You know, I was thinking the other day... Um, about how my little granddaughter has been going through potty training. And, you know, when, when you potty train a little child, what you do is you are big on the applause. You're big on the encouragement. You went potty? Yay! And you jump up and down and clap and all that stuff. Hopefully nobody did that for you today, right? <laughs> right? But, you know, because you know what? That's where a little kid is. You know, they need that encouragement. They need that applause. And so it doesn't do anything for you to give it, but you give it because it's for their benefit. And I've taught the same thing about prophetic ministry. You know, after the 300th person that you prophesied to, the thrill's gone, honey. <laughs> the thrill's gone. You're tired. You want to go home. But you continue to extend yourself to put yourself out there for somebody else's benefit, right? Okay. It's the love of God that flows out of us. Ministry is the love of God that flows out of you, and God uses the unique package that you are. You have gifts, talents, abilities, skills, resources that the person sitting next to you does not have. And so when you are going to minister, you're going to minister out of who you are, what you have learned, how God has called you, where you are in life, right? You minister. I, I know, you know, some people, God has blessed them financially, and so they have a gift of hospitality, and they make it available to people in ministry. They're serving out of who they are and what they have, right? And if you have a gift of healing, you need to release that thing. If you have a gift of faith, you need to release that, because there's somebody else who's in need of it. And when we're going to, to the saints to minister, understand most of the time, the vast majority of times when the saints minister, it is not from behind the pulpit. Most of the time, that's not happening. Most of the time, they are ministering to their family, on the job, in the community, in their church. That's where they're ministering. You know, there's somebody at work who's got comes in crying because they had a fight with their husband on the way to work. You take a few minutes, go get some coffee, counsel them, pray for them, bless them, believe God. And you know what? You minister. Your boss does not pay you to do that, right? 
but the heart of your heavenly boss is reaching out in compassion to somebody who had need of it, right? And maybe God gives you a prophetic word for them at the same time, gives the spirit and operation and everything. That's ministering to them. There's been times, you know, I've had somebody come in, and I knew that they were coming in on fumes on their gas tank and just going to have to believe God to get home. Guess what? They didn't get a prophecy that night, but they did get $20 stuck in their pocket. It was ministry. It was something extended for another person. Right? When saints are too busy with work to minister to family or their spiritual community, it's out of order. You know, God's always after balance in our lives. You know, sometimes we do it the other way. Sometimes people in ministry get so busy, they've got no time for friends. They've got no time for family. It's all out of order. Because you know what? Ministry and people, we're in the people business. That's what we're about. And if all we're doing is working in this area and there's none of us left over, there's no energy, there's no resources left over for the other parts of life, it's out of order. Mm. And so God's, Jesus has got his help wanted sign up. Help wanted. Your ministry. There's people out here who need what we have. And let's not be like those who pass by the, the, um, the, the man. Remember the, the, um, the man who was beaten by by robbers that Jesus told the story and it says, you know, the priest walked on by. I mean, the people walked on by. Ooh, I don't have time to help you today. Ooh, I'll get unclean if I get too close. But said it was a Samaritan, a good Samaritan, who stopped by and to inconvenience himself to minister to somebody else, right? It wasn't at the temple. It was out alongside the road somewhere. And not only that, but he didn't even know this guy. And he went in, took him into the inn where he could be, which was like the hospital, and paid his hospital bill to take care of him, make sure he was all right. Hallelujah. He ministered to the guy. Didn't even have to preach to him, but ministered to him. Fivefold ministry includes the ministry of the word. The, the apostle said in Acts chapter 6, 4, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The primary function of fivefold ministers is to minister the word. Because you know what? The other people are spending their time in this other thing, in, in the workplace, in their family, and they don't have the gift that a fivefold minister has. A fivefold minister has a gift to feed you the word of God with anointing, with precision, in a way that you need. Jesus said, you got, if you love me, feed my sheep. And so he has called certain people, gifted them, and said, your job is to feed the sheep. Your job is to minister the word of God. Now, teach, fivefold ministry includes teaching, it includes training, and leading the saints to fulfill their place in the body of Christ. You need to find out where God has placed you in the body of Christ, and you will not find that out without fivefold ministry helping you. We need fivefold ministry. You might have a prophet give you a prophetic word. You might have an evangelist to lead you to the Lord, right? You might have a teacher to teach you how to get your life in order. You know, whatever you may have, apostle may cast your devils out. What a pastor may love you to life again, give you instruction, lead you into the baptism of the Holy Spirit, teach you to tithe, teach you all those things that you need to know. You'll not enter into the fullness of what God has for you apart from fivefold ministries. Amen. The Lord has given fivefold ministry to the church. We'd be smart to figure out why, <laughs> to participate in that. So, the whole point is not so that fivefold ministry does all of the cast now devils, all the miracles, all the prophesying, but so that the saints have learned how to do that themselves. Properly trained, properly discipled, and they can do the work 
right? That's what we're after. Now, there is a distinction between occupation and ministry. The Bible says in Luke chapter 3, verse 23, it says, when Jesus began his ministry, he himself was about 30 years of age. What was Jesus doing up until the time that he was about 30? He was a carpenter in Joseph's shop. He was a businessman, was he not? Now, we know that he was biblically, you know, he had, was biblically astute. I mean, he was at the age of 12, you know, talking to the religious leaders about doctrine. I mean, he was holding his own with teaching. So we know the guy had tremendous know-how, and because he was the son of God for one thing, but he loved the word of God, he was, he was a good person. He lived in a, you know, had a moral, upright lifestyle. And he, no doubt, was a fine businessman. He did not cheat a soul, right? Produced quality work. But when did he enter his ministry? At age 30. What the Bible says is what he was doing before was being a saint in the marketplace. What he did after was begin to minister. It was after, that's when he began to heal the sick, cast out devils, teach, train, prophesy. That's what he did when he entered his ministry. Everybody see the distinction there? He was a good man who knew the word of God and who lived a moral upright life up until age 30, right? He just added this dimension at age 30 because it was time for him to begin his ministry. And I believe that's, some, that's a point that has been overlooked in some of the recent teaching about what, what constitutes ministry and what does not. We can see that the Bible says there was a distance, difference between what happened here and what happened here. All right. Now, his current ministry, do you know that Jesus has a current ministry? It's up, the Bible says in Hebrews 8, 6, that he has a more excellent ministry, that he is the mediator of a better covenant. What Jesus is doing right now is still mediating the covenant that we have. He's not building benches and tables anymore. He is building people. He's building the body of Christ. He said, I'm build my church, right? This is what he's doing. He's mediating spiritual things. But how many of you know we still have physical needs and we will go to him for them, right? God, I need a job. You know, God, I need healing. God, I need whatever. And he will minister based upon the provisions of the new covenant as to what we need in our lives. He'll give us wisdom, know-how, all that we need in order to live. When he was on the earth, his ministry was teaching, training, leading, working miracles, that sort of thing. So... Your ministry is not what your boss pays you for, right? Your boss pays you to do a certain job. Or if you're in business for yourself, you know, you have signed a contract, you've got a job, and that's what you do, right? And please, please do what your boss pays you to do and keep your word. Please don't blow those eight hours a day or how many hours you work. You're supposed to be working. Please don't blow them on the phone or in prayer and reading your Bible. Christians have got a bad reputation for being too spiritual and not being good workers. You know, you read your Bible on your lunch break. You know, on your coffee break, you could do those things. But while you are there, give a full day's work for full day's pay. Amen? Amen. Because we've all worked with those people, haven't we? <laughs> yes. Make your job harder because they didn't pull their weight. Okay. Your ministry is the extension of Jesus Christ. Mediating the new covenant. That means your ministry is salvation, healing, deliverance, uh, the gifts of the Spirit, as well as 
physical, financial, social needs. You've got sometimes your ministry is being kind and listening to somebody. Sometimes your ministry is 20 bucks. It's reaching out, extending by the love and mercy of God. Now, a five-fold minister may also work in the business world, just as Paul did. Why did Paul was also known as a tent maker? Why did he do that? Because it supplied for his needs. I've known plenty of people that have a, a secular job, but the only reason they have that job is so that they can eat because they really are called to this other job. And so the Paul, now let's think about this. What was Paul known for? When Paul wrote the letters, he did not say Paul the tent maker, did he? He said Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. In Paul's understanding, his primary function was as an apostle. This tent making thing was what paid the bills, right? And that was the whole perspective. You know, it would be wonderful. I mean, the, the difference of that, excuse me, the backup difference of that is there are no doubt tent makers that are tent makers by profession, by calling, but God has also given them a heart for ministry, and maybe they participate in apostolic work. Just a little bit where the emphasis is. What is it God's called you to do? There are plenty of people, for example, who prophesy, and their secretary, you know, their school teacher, whatever they are, but they prophesy. There are other people who are prophets, but they also, you know, sometimes they have a side business or they do something else, you know, for income. The balance of it is that all of us are to know, understand how God has placed us in the body of Christ. What abilities, what resources, what skills has God given you? Those all figure in. Those you bring to the table, who you are, what you're about. You bring that to the table for your ministry. Fivefold ministers are to equip and to empower the saints to minister. You know, and we've said around here for a long time, you know, we'll not only equip you, but we make you work. <laughs> you know, I'll go sit down and do something because you guys have been equipped and trained, so you guys can do the work of the ministry. I don't have to be the one that does it all the time. If I'm the one that does all the ministry, then I have failed, right? Because my job is to equip for the, saint, for the work of ministry. That means also that saints are to submit and surrender to that teaching, to that training. That means you come to the workshops, you participate in the trainings, you buy the books, you buy the CDs, you let someone disciple you, bring you alongside. And that means you extend yourself. It means you extend yourself, right? Because the people, you know, when you're doing work of ministry, you're many times, you're, you're putting in extra hours that other people aren't putting in. The ministry, you know, we've had this happen before, and most of you have heard my, me tell the story about how Jen and I went to minister somewhere, and while we're up there prophesying, they all go to lunch. We don't get to have lunch. We're still prophesying. But you know what? We extended ourselves for the people. They got through from lunch. They came back, got back in our line. And then when everything was over, they fed us something, <laughs> you know. But that was it. It was ministry was first. We were there to serve. That's why we were there. We weren't there to eat lunch. Eat lunch was nice, but that wasn't why we were there. Mature saints are to be a blessing in their workplace. Your workplace, if you're a saint of God, it should, it sh should have your light, your presence, make it, making that place a more holy place, a more healthy place, a more sane place. You know, How many times God puts a mature saint in the midst of a group of people because they need somebody who can be like an elder there, who can kind of dominate with faith, dominate and say, okay, let's everybody take charge, nobody freak out here. 
and have somebody to have that godly influence. And there are also people who need to see, they need to see some integrity. They need to see some honesty. So in your workplace, you don't have to go around and trumpet it. I remember one time many years ago, I was just, you know, had a job at a, you know, business and just working there for a while and, and something came up and, and the boss said, oh, you know, Donna, you're so honest, blah, 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 blah. And whatever the issue was, you know, you're so honest. It wasn't like I went around saying, I'm honest, you know. I didn't tell anybody I was a Christian. It, it was just like the light is shining. How many of you appreciate working with honest people? I do. I certainly do. Okay. Mature saints, be full of faith. Let your light shine in dark places. All people are to be ready and willing to build up the body of Christ. However God has gifted you, whatever was within your hands, be ready to build and to strengthen the body of Christ. It's about seeking to serve one another. You know, a lot of times we have thought for years that, well, you know, I'm not a prophet, I'm just a business person. Aren't you glad we have changed that now? You don't have to be a prophet. You still have something wonderful that you can minister. There is something unique about you, how God has gifted and called you, that makes you important to the body of Christ. How many of you appreciate your little baby toe? Right? You ever stub that thing? Right? How many appreciate when your baby toe is healthy and not hurting? It doesn't matter if you consider yourself a baby toe in the body of Christ. We want you not to be hurting. <laughs> and we want you to be healed and functioning. You know, your baby toe is one thing that helps you keep a balance when you stand up. Right? The scripture says in 1 Corinthians 16, 15, I urge you, brethren, that you know this household of Stephanus. They were the first fruits of Achaia. They have devoted themselves for ministry to the saints. Let's be devoted. King James says, addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. You are more than your job. You are more than your business. You have the light of God. You have the spirit of God. You have something valuable that is needed by other people. Some of them are at church. Some of them are at work. Some of them are in your neighborhood. But you have something that is valuable that can be given and can be strengthened. Hallelujah. Colossians 4.17 says, Take heed to the ministry you receive in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. I want you to fulfill your ministry. Find out how it is, and then go do it. You know, the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. It is really satisfying when you are entering into what God has gifted and called you to do. I've had people ask me over the years, well, you know, what do you think about activating all those people in prophecy? You know, doesn't that just kind of cause problems in the ministry? And I said, you know what? People who are activated in prophecy get excited about ministry. Let's do that again. They lay hands upon a sick person. The power of God flows through their hands, and the person gets healed. They're excited. They want to be at church again. They want to tithe. They want to serve. What can I do? What can I do? It's always been wonderful to have people releasing the gifts. And it frees them up. And they say, you know what? I have a part to play. My service, my ministry is valuable to the Lord and to his kingdom. I'd like for us to pray. Hallelujah. I'd like for us to pray just regarding a balance between work and ministry. Father God, we are busy people. And there are many demands that are being made upon our time. Mean demands being made upon our resources. And I ask, Lord God, that you would give us revelation and insight for each one of us 
about the balance between work and ministry. That, Lord God, that we'd not be those who are all work or all ministry, but, Lord God, there'd be a healthy balance. That, Lord, that we would be uh, walking in the light of your Spirit, and we're ready to, even as your Word says, to give an answer to him who asks us. That, Lord God, that we're, we're looking to see where we can be a blessing, who it is that you're wanting us to reach out to and to minister to. Father, I ask, Lord God, that you would give each one of us opportunities to minister outside of church services. God, show us places where we can minister, Lord, in the marketplace, at work, in our family, where there's something that we have that we can give to those people that we just don't always think, well, I only minister at the church service. And Father, I also ask that you would speak to each one of our hearts, that we would identify the ministry organizations that you have called each one of us to support with our service and with our finances. God, and for those of us who are, who are in ministry tonight, I pray, Lord God, that you would supply all of the needs, the needs we have for workers, that people, Lord God, respond to the help wanted, the help wanted ad. But, but Lord God, that the harvest would be done by many hands working together. And Father God, I also pray that for those of us who are in ministry, that you'd open our eyes to how it is that we can utilize the wonderful people that you have sent into our lives. That, Lord God, you give us the courage and the grace to delegate, to release, to trust as people learn to do the work of ministry. And Holy Spirit, I just trust that you are working all things out together for our good. Lord, for the advancement of your kingdom, for the maturing of your saints. That, Lord God, that the maturing of your saints is not just a church function. That, God, that it's happening on the job. It's happening at the workplace. It's happening in the schools. It's happening in the home. That, Lord God, that we are, as your word says, growing up into all things in Christ Jesus. And that we are there ready for every demand, every challenge that faces us in the day. Father God, and I just bless every business person here tonight. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for those who are those for everyone is that, that, that light. There are some, Lord God, who are in work environments that maybe they're the only Christian there. Maybe they're the only moral person who is there. Maybe the only person of faith who is there. And Father God, I speak a blessing over every business person here that, Lord, that you would give them increased favor at their workplace. That, Lord God, that you would open opportunities for them to minister. And for those, Lord God, who are in a position to hire or to uh, delegate work out for other people's income, Father, I ask you to prosper them and make them a blessing, that they can be, the, be a, a, a blessing, a financial blessing to other people who need a job, who need a raise. Lord God, I ask you to prosper every business so that they may prosper not only for themselves and their families and for their workers and co-workers and employees, but also, Lord God, to further and advance your kingdom. And Father, we just give you praise for all that you're doing. I thank you, Lord God, that, that you have the ability to bring balance and harmony into these things into our lives. And so, Lord God, with our heart open to you, I thank you, Lord God, that you are leading us into all truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Destiny Spirit, additional teachings and training events, please visit our website at www.destinyspirit.com or you can write to us at Destiny Spirit Apostolic Network, P.O. Box 15252, 
Chesapeake, Virginia, 23328. Thank you, and God bless you.